Okay, Exodus 8. So uh, if you are, again, if you are a guest and this is your first time with us and you feel lost at any point in this, feel free to catch up online. You can go to the website or the app. You can kind of catch up where we've been in Exodus. Uh, but so far, kind of what we've gone through is, uh, and one of the, this is one of the most familiar passages in all the scripture, uh, but here we are in Exodus. God has unleashed fury on uh, on Egypt, and it's only going to get worse. Here is where he introduces the 10 plagues. We talked about plague one last week, uh, but these 10 plagues God is using because his people have been enslaved by Egypt for 400 years, and he said, I've heard the cries of my people. I've had enough. I'm going to free them, and he, he uses 10 plagues to uh, cause Egypt to just crumble, basically, and to push out his people out of Egypt. Now, to be clear, and I said this last week, God didn't need 10 plagues. It's not like he was trying, okay, that plague didn't work, let's try another one, like rolling the dice until he hit snake eyes. That's not what he did. He could have freed his people with a word. He could have freed his people with a thought. He could have laid Egypt down just by breathing, and they all bow, and his people could walk out freely. But he chose to use plagues. And I think it's because uh, he all throughout these plagues, he's pointing to a couple of things. One, we're going to see that he is punching the Egyptian gods in the mouth and saying, I'm God, they are not God. And he is also, and, and we've talked through this, that all of the exodus leading up to the Passover, which is the last plague, all the way through being freed from slavery is a pointing to and a foreshadowing of Jesus and the cross and that only Jesus can free us from our slavery of sin, of which we were in slavery for a long time. And so uh, all of it is pointing to Jesus and pointing to the cross. And so everything God does is intentional. There is nothing that happens throughout these things that are arbitrary. And so it's important for us to walk through the passage to see exactly what uh, he is doing. Now, again, last week, uh, plague one, we, we talked about the river Nile that the, the Egyptians worshiped, right? And they, matter of fact, they gave the Nile a name. They called it the God Happy. And then God shows up and slaps the smile off of Happy's face, right? And, and turns the entire river into blood and says, you're not God, I'm God. And so the Egyptians are standing there in, in wonder and awe saying, okay, <laughs> like he has taken our number one source of life and he has said, I am sovereign over this. I'm in control over this and I'm going to turn this thing into blood. And so that's what he did, plague one. And, and, and we saw that Pharaoh still walked away with a hard heart, right? He saw the river turn to blood and he still walked away uh, without any change, completely hardened to that fact. And we'll see that same thing play out over and over uh, throughout these plagues that Pharaoh will see the plague. He'll ask Moses to, hey, hey, remove this, ask your God to remove this plague. And then he will change his mind and remain hardened and remain unchanged. Again, reminding us, and we'll see this kind of at the end, we'll kind of piece it all together, but just reminding us that it is God that changes a heart. 
There's no amount of miracle, there's no amount of evidence, there's no amount of persuasion that can change a heart. It is only the Holy Spirit that can come in and move in a heart. And a lot of you know this to be true because many of us were so antagonistic against God. We fought against God. We were absolutely proponents against and rebels against God. And then something happened, that something, the Holy Spirit moved in us and completely changed everything about us about us and so we know the evidence is real that only the Holy Spirit can change a heart and so we see here's all this evidence stacked up against Pharaoh and he remains hardened and we're going to see that throughout the plagues now today we're going to cover a lot of ground okay we're doing the two through four on the plagues I told you we're going to lump some together we're specifically you know usually we go exegetically through the passage just verse by verse walking through the meaning of every particular deal uh the plagues we're going to lump into themes where I'm still going to give you some of the exegetical meaning from the passage but I think it would overlap too much to do one each week so we're going to lump some together specifically this week two through four and I want you to uh I want you to just bear with me uh, because I'm going to read the the scripture, chapter 8. It's the entirety of chapter 8, and I'm going to read it in its entirety. Now, I want to encourage you because... Uh, a lot of times preachers, myself included, will read a passage of scripture, especially if it's lengthy, and we'll read through it very quickly so that we can get to the preaching. When in actuality, the scripture is the only inerrant thing I'm going to say today. Right? It is the most important thing I'm going to say today is the reading of the word. And y'all know this to be true. I've said some really stupid stuff up here, and you're like, that dude's an idiot, right? The word is is true and awesome and right and 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 absolutely uh faithful. So we're going to read that and we're going to enjoy it and we're going to let the sovereign, let the inerrant word of God be read to us and, and so that we can deal with that, right? And and less preaching for me. So you're like, praise the Lord. All right, here we go. We're going to plow through this thing. Starting in verse one. Now, now remember, fight for focus. Pay attention here. Here we go. Then the Lord said to Moses, go into Pharaoh and say to him, thus says the Lord, let my people go that they may serve me. But if you refuse to let them go, behold, I will plague all your country with frogs. The Nile shall swarm with frogs that shall come up into your house and into your bedroom and onto your bed and into the houses of your servants and your people and into your ovens and your kneading bowls. The frogs shall come up on you and on your people and all, on all your servants. And the Lord said to Moses, say to Aaron, stretch out your hand with your staff over the rivers, over the canals, over the pools, and make frogs come up on the land of Egypt. So Aaron stretched out his hand over the waters of Egypt, and frogs came and covered the land of Egypt. But the magicians did the same by their secret arts and made frogs come up on the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh called Moses and Aaron and said, Plead with the Lord to take away the frogs from me and from my people, and I will let the people go to sacrifice to the Lord. Moses said to Pharaoh, Be pleased to command me when I am to plead for you and your servants and for your people that the frogs be cut off from you and your houses and be left only in the Nile. And he said, tomorrow, Moses said, be it as you say, so that you may know that there is no one like the Lord our God. The frogs shall go away from you and your houses and your servants and your people 
They shall be left only in the Nile. So Moses and Aaron went out from Pharaoh, and Moses cried to the Lord about the frogs, as he had agreed with Pharaoh. And the Lord did according to the word of Moses. The frogs died out in the houses, the courtyards, and the fields, and they gathered them together in heaps, and the land stank. But when Pharaoh saw that there was a respite, he hardened his heart. It would not listen to them as the Lord had said. Verse 16. Then the Lord said to Moses, Say to Aaron, Stretch out your staff, strike the dust of the earth, so that it may become gnats in all the land of Egypt. And they did so. Aaron stretched out his hand with his staff and struck the dust of the earth. And there were gnats on man and beast. All the dust of the earth became gnats in all the land of Egypt. The magicians tried by their secret arts to produce gnats, but they could not. So there were gnats on man and beast. Then the magicians said to Pharaoh, this is the finger of God. But Pharaoh's heart was hardened and he would not listen to them as the Lord had said. Verse 20, then the Lord said to Moses, rise up early in the morning and present yourself to Pharaoh as he goes out to the water and say to him, thus says the Lord, let my people go that they may serve me. Or else, if you will not let my people go, behold, I will send swarms of flies on you and your servants and your people and into your houses. And the houses of the Egyptians shall be filled with swarms of flies and also the ground on which they stand. But on that day, I will set apart the land of Goshen where my people dwell so that no swarms of flies shall be there that you may know that I am the Lord in the midst of the earth. Thus I will put a division between my people and your people. Tomorrow this sign shall happen. And the Lord did so. There came great swarms of flies into the house of Pharaoh and into his servants' houses. Throughout all the land of Egypt, the land was ruined by the swarms of flies. Then Pharaoh called Moses and Aaron and said, Go, sacrifice to your God within the land. But Moses said, it would not be right to do so, for the offerings we shall sacrifice to the Lord are an abomination to the Egyptians. If we sacrifice offerings abominable to the, to the Egyptians before their eyes, will they not stone us? We must go three days' journey into the wilderness and sacrifice to the Lord our God as he tells us. So Pharaoh said, I will let you go to sacrifice to the Lord your God in the wilderness. Only you must not go very far. Plead for me. Then Moses said, Behold, I am going out from you, and I will plead with the Lord that the swarms of flies may depart from Pharaoh, from his servants, and from his people tomorrow. Only let not Pharaoh cheat again by not letting the people go to sacrifice to the Lord. So Moses went out from Pharaoh and prayed to the Lord. And the Lord did as Moses asked and removed the swarms of flies from Pharaoh from his servants and from his people. Not one remained, but Pharaoh hardened his heart this time also and did not let the people go. All right, so our bottom line for today, we see, we have seen this theme throughout. We talked last week about how God has no rivals and we're gonna see today, and I, I want you to walk home with that God has no limits and that he is 
working and moving, and there is no one that can thwart his plan. There is no one of us, a Pharaoh, of the strongest people in the world that can put God in a box and keep him from doing what he has ordained to do. And we see that theme clearly running through these plagues, that God is sovereign, that he is powerful, and he is showing the Egyptians, his own people, the surrounding nations, and us today, he's showing us who he is. He's, he is a God with no rivals. He is a God with no limits. And specifically, throughout these plagues, we're going to see that everything God does is purposeful. Nothing he does is arbitrary. That goes for the plagues. That goes for even our own lives. We've seen throughout the scripture, God has ordained and purposed when we would be born, who we would be born to, the country we would be born in, the time we would be born. Everything about our life is set in motion by the sovereign God who is in control. There is nothing arbitrary. There is nothing outside of his hand and his plan. He is sovereign over it all. Now, he's sovereign over our gifts and abilities. He's sovereign over our talents and desires. Even our great desires for like milkshakes, right? Everything we have, every desire given to us, God has put in us, wired us a certain way so that we would go in the direction he has created us to go. He has he has control over us. He, he is in control of everything. There is nothing arbitrary in our life. How we think, how we're wired. Even, he says, even the hair on our head is ordained by God. And you're like, Lord, you could have ordained a little more for me, right? Everything is, is, is absolutely under God's sovereign hand. Everything. He says that even the number of our days, the amount of time we're given to live on this earth is, is set in motion by God. And no one can mess up that plan, not even our own selves. He's sovereign over all of those things. And we see that he, his sovereignty clearly displayed through these plagues over nature, over rulers, over nations, God is sovereign over the strongest nation to exist at this time, and he is, he, and he is controlling them by little insects. We're going to see he is sovereignly working and bringing down this vast nation with flies. God is in control. So we see that in, in, in Plague 1, God turns the river Nile into blood, right? He, he takes this uh, river that they worshipped and he turned it in, to where it was unusable for them. Striking at the heart of what they worship most. I think that's important. Because then here you have in Plague 2, God brings frogs to take over the country. Now, it wasn't just a couple of frogs, right? This is frogs everywhere. I mean, you open the door to your house, frogs. You open your cupboard to get out a bowl for cereal. There are frogs in your bowl. You pour out your cereal, there's frogs. You, go to the, you lift up your toilet to use the bathroom, frogs. I mean, frogs everywhere. I mean, if we're talking about it here, you, I mean, you can't walk without stepping on a frog. There would be frogs all over these chairs, all over this stage, all over me, on my shoes, on these guitars. I mean, everywhere. There would be frogs everywhere. And, and by reading, it sounds like the frogs just keep coming, like keep coming. They just keep coming in these waves, frogs everywhere. That's nuts. 
right? This is crazy. And it would begin to like make you twitch, I believe. I mean, it would drive us nuts, just frogs everywhere. You just get frustrated. Like, I don't know about you, like in my home, like when there's like stuff out of place, like the whole family's like, what is this? Why is this here? Right? Could you imagine frogs everywhere? Like if the dog leaves its toys around and like, dude, pick up your own toys, dog. Right? I've had a dog for a week, so I don't really know how it works. I'm figuring it all out. Right? But could you imagine frogs everywhere? It just drive us nuts, man. It would drive us crazy. And, and, and then you see the magicians. Here you have, again, they're trying to duplicate the miracles of God so that by their secret arts, they bring some frogs up out of the Nile. Again, showing us that these guys are all foam and no beer. They are not the sharpest knives in the drawer. They're, you, you, you get, they're dumb, all right? They're like, okay, there's millions of frogs, billions of frogs, Let's see if we can bring some more, right? right? They are, they're powerless to get rid of the frogs, but they're like, okay, we're going to try to summon up some more frogs. So they're, they're real, real sharp. And, uh, and, so then, so, and then the magicians, if you notice, in the third plague, they give up. They try to bring out the gnats, right? And then they're like, we can't do it. This is the finger of God. They finally acknowledge this is God, and they just give up trying. Right. And I think it's because they realized, finally realized how stupid they were. And they're like, OK, we're, we've had enough of this. Then I want you to notice that Pharaoh, Pharaoh asked Moses to ask the Lord to get rid of the frogs. That's important. If you remember a chapter ago when Moses came to Pharaoh and said, God said to let his people go. Pharaoh said, I am God. Who is the Lord? I don't know him. I don't know your God. And then now. You see the change of tone here. Pharaoh says, Moses, go ask your God to, to remove these frogs from us. You see a shift. You see the change in Pharaoh. He went from not even acknowledging that God exists to now saying that God exists. And he's asking Moses to go and, and, and plead with God to remove the frogs. Now, I think there's a little bit of application here in Pharaoh is beginning to shift. In, in, so he went from not believing in God at all. Now he believes in God, that there is a God, that God exists. But notice it's not enough. He still walks away with a hard heart. I think it's huge application to us. In the New Testament, it says that, oh, you believe in God? That's great. So do the demons and they shudder. So it's not enough to believe in the existence of a God. It's not enough to just say, oh, I believe that there's a God somewhere out there. And however, whether he spoke creation existence or some kind of evolutionary process, I, I, he's just kind of out there. I believe he does exist, but that is not enough for your soul. That is not enough to cure your sin issue. You, we see it. Pharaoh believed that there is a God, and his heart was still hardened. It's not enough just to believe in the existence of God. It takes a full-on trust, a full-on dying to self, a full-on, and we're going to see this in a minute, removal of myself as God and sovereign and in control and a placing of God as sovereign and in control of my own life. That's what it takes, a dying to self. A removal of our, ourself as sovereign and supreme and in control. A submission entirely to God. And that's what we're going to continue to see throughout this. Now, I do want to point out this, that 
in Egypt, frogs were sacred. Uh, there's a God, and they got, they got a picture of this God. Uh, the God's name is Heket, and uh, it's a, a, a fertility goddess. It's got the, the body of a woman and the head of a frog. So the Egyptians worshiped this for fertility. And so uh, I want you to notice a couple of things that are going on here. Uh, okay, remember in chapter 1 of Exodus, Pharaoh orders that all the Hebrew babies be thrown into the Nile and killed. You remember this, right? He, he orders that all the Hebrew babies be thrown in the Nile and killed. And, and so uh, then, so, so there's a couple of things going on here. So Pharaoh wanted blood. He wanted to put blood in the river Nile. God shows up in plague one and turns the entire Nile into blood. Pharaoh was trying to strike down the Hebrews' fertility because they were reproducing too quickly. Here's God striking at the Egyptian fertility God. You see, he's, he's saying, all right, Pharaoh, you came at me, and I'm going to strike at the heart of everything you've done to my people. And then we're going to see a third God in, in, in the flies. Uh, I'll get to that in a minute. I'll come back to that. But throughout this, we're going to see God is, is killing. He is killing the, the, the things that the Egyptians worship the most. He is striking at the heart of what the Egyptians worship the most. And he's showing them, hey, I, God has no rivals. God has no limits. There is nothing who can say I'm more powerful than God. Then you have the third plague, which is gnats, right? And uh, it says God strikes the dust and the country is covered with gnats. Now, dust of the earth uh, is a term that is used just for an innumerable amount of gnats at this point, right? He also uses that term when he talks about Abraham's descendants. He said, I I'm going to make it as the dust of the earth. Just, you're not going to be able to count them. That's what he's saying. So that's what he's saying with these, these plagues here. Now, this word gnat, everything I'm reading, every commentary, every commentary, every commentator I read about this is saying that uh, this word for gnat, th they didn't really have the English word like we have gnat, but they more liken it to mosquitoes. Now that changes the game, doesn't it? That changes the game. If you got gnats, okay, gnats, whatever. You know, I get gnats around an apple if I let it sit around too long. Whatever. That's, that's not too bad, but you put out some vinegar and it, you know, whatever, right? Mosquitoes is a whole nother ball game. Uh, a buddy of mine did this. I, this is a, anyway, he, so he's, he's getting out. He's going camping on this island little thing. It's out in the river, and he gets a buddy to, to boat them out there. There's three of them. Boats them out there to this island, right? And they go, and the guy with the boat leaves. And all they had was like some Enos and no tent, right? There's no tent. They're just going to sleep in Enos on this, on this island. Well, the whole island is just uh, absolutely swarming with mosquitoes. And so they start getting bitten. And there's no escape from them. They can't get away from these mosquitoes. So they just keep getting bit, keep getting bit. They try to get in the water, but you can't sleep in the water. And so, and then you're like heads above water and it's like getting bit, right? So you're just getting all these mosquitoes on your face. And so, so then they're like, I don't know what to do. So they're trying to stick as close to the fire as they can. So they're trying to keep as many. Anyway, my buddy, he's like, uh, I literally had a mental breakdown. I started going crazy. I started getting really angry. I started hitting myself with like branches and stuff. Like he's just going crazy, right? 
Could you imagine this? And like Egypt, right? Egypt is, uh, like when I lived in Thailand, there would be certain buildings, you know, there's no heat. Uh, and there, if you didn't have AC, you would have just open window uh, buildings. And this is what is happening in Egypt. Obviously, they didn't have AC. And it's hotter. It's hotter than a $2 pistol. It, it, it's hot. And so they had these open air things. And there's no escape. You can't get into a room and escape the mosquitoes. You can't get in your bed and escape the mosquitoes. There is no escape from them. So you have an entire country going crazy, going nuts, getting uh, Zika. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're getting, I mean, they're just absolutely getting bitten by these things. And, and so you see this, uh, this plague uh, just absolutely um, covering Egypt. Then God sends flies, right? And notice the pattern we talked about last week. First, it's Moses meets Pharaoh at the river or outside. Second one, Moses goes into the courts. Third one, Moses doesn't show up at all. There's just a plague. And he repeats that pattern two more times. Again, showing the purposefulness of God in these plagues, that none of them are arbitrary. And then, uh, and, and so you have God who has showed up and he's smacking all the Egyptian gods in the face, right? He smacks the smile off. You know, we said that happy uh, was the God of the Nile. Right? And so he slaps the smile off Happy's face. Then he's taking the fertility God and he's saying, all right, I'm gonna take the frogs, the fertility God, I'm gonna kill them all. Billions of frogs, I'm gonna kill them. They're gonna heat, you're gonna heap them up and your entire land's gonna stink. Pharaoh should have been more specific with when he, when he, so Moses comes to Pharaoh and says, hey, when do you want these things out? He says, tomorrow. He says, okay, they're gonna be out tomorrow and you're gonna know who the one true God is. Pharaoh should have said, I want them like to crawl out before they die, right? So they all just die where they are. And they, just the stink of the land. Like, you know this. I, I, was, at this, I was at a wedding uh, last night, CJ's wedding, our youth pastor's wedding. And my son, he's digging into the, to the woods and he's grabbing all kinds of stuff, right? And, and he catches a lightning bug, right? And uh, he, he brings this lightning bug, and he's like, Daddy, I caught a lightning bug. Awesome, son. Let me see that thing. He opens his hand. I said, Frank, <laughs> it's no longer flying. <laughs> that lightning bug is gone, right? But you've had, if you've got boys, they always bring, like, these creatures in. And if you don't find it for a couple days, there's just like this, oh, what is that? right? What, what did he have in his pocket, right? And so it's like, you know, if your son's ever caught a frog, you know, they, it's like those toys that you squeeze and those eyeballs pop out, right? <laughs> well, if, they, if that frog dies, right, that thing's going to leave a stench. And that stench multiplied by a billion over the entire country. Can you imagine this? It's nuts, man. This is nuts. And so just this stink of frogs and God striking at the heart of uh, this for fertility God and 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 then he brings then and, and then Pharaoh again crazy walks away with a hard heart he brings the flies again Pharaoh says okay I'll let your people go and then he changes his mind Pharaoh again hardens his heart to what God is doing here and again the 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 the, the flies and the and the mosquitoes it's just crazy flies everywhere you've had a picnic right you've had a picnic where flies are crazy right You've, you've done this, and there's been like 10 flies around you or whatever, and they're driving you nuts, right? But I'm talking about you can't see because of the flies. You've got your little picnic with your bologna sandwich, and you go to bite that thing, and you're eating flies. 
flies everywhere. This isn't just a little nuisance. This is absolutely taking over your life. Flies everywhere. This is awful. Right? This is terrible. And, and Pharaoh sees it. And he walks away unchanged. That's the craziest thing ever. Flies and mosquitoes. The Egyptian god Kepri, there was another god Kepri, and they got a picture of him. So it's the head of a beetle and the body of a man. This god uh, was the god of rebirth, right? It was the god of rebirth. And so they would, they would uh, worship this god as some kind of uh, depiction of their afterlife and those kinds of things. And so then here's God, again, striking at their love of insects and saying, hey, I am the god that rebirth that gives eternity. I am the God that gives eternal life. I am the God that creates a, a spiritual rebirth and your gods are nothing before me. He's continuing to spit in the face of the Egyptian gods. And he's saying that he's sovereign even over the small things. And, and one thing, one theme that I think is crucial for us to understand that I think God is working throughout this whole thing is that God is using the things that they worship to bring them to their knees. God is using their most prized worship items, the river, the, the fertility frog, the afterlife, and he's using the things that they worship to bring them to their knees. Church, this is no different than today. God uses the things that you worship that are not him, to destroy you. Look around our world. When, when men worship women, right? By the time they're on their fourth marriage, they begin to realize that there's a real issue here. When, when we love money, when we worship money, we begin to accumulate money, and it begins to consume us. And then we, we begin to worship this idea of having money, and so we get in debt so much over our heads that these credit cards and this mountain of debt just crushes us. He uses the things we worship to bring us to our knees. Food. If we worship food, we have a heart attack when we're 50. Or look at Addiction. The, the love of drink, the love of drugs, the things that we worship, don't those things crush us? Don't they kill us? God is constantly using the things that we worship, the things that we put on the throne of our hearts to bring us to our knees. And we start off, the, these, these are great things, money and food and kids, and, and they crush us. When they are what we worship, he uses them to bring us to our knees. This is a great, grave warning to us, church. Are there idols that we have put on our heart, be it money, be it hobbies, be it children, be it career, be it drink, be it whatever? The things that we are worshiping that is not God. Because he will use it to to bring us back to him. He will use it to crush us. Now, another clear theme throughout this is that God is making himself 
known over and over. It says, you'll say that I am the one true God. And if you notice, after the third plague, the magicians say, this is the finger of God. And, Mo, and Pharaoh says, again, he says, Moses, go to God, go to the Lord, and ask him to remove these frogs, mosquitoes, and flies, right? And so they're beginning to acknowledge God. They're, they're beginning to see who God is, and that's why he's doing these things, so that Egypt, so that God's people, so that surrounding nations, and sovereignly, so that we would know today who God is and how he works, and that he is the one true God. He has no rivals. He has no limits. And then if you look, and I think this is a great, another great application for us today, in verse 25, Pharaoh tried to compromise. He said, okay, I'm going to let you go and worship and sacrifice, but I don't want you to leave Egypt. He says, I want you to stay I want you to stay in Egypt. Take these flies away, but just don't leave Egypt. And Moses says, no can do. If we're going to sacrifice, we're going to sacrifice things that Egypt worships. And so if they see us sacrificing something they worship, they're not going to be too happy about that. They're going to stone us. You know, it'd be like going to a PETA gathering with a big fur coat on. <laughs> right? They ain't going to be too happy about it. Right? Or going into a Muslim nation and feeding all the kids bacon. Right? They're going to be ticked. Right? They're, or going into India and slapping a few cows. Right? They're, they're going to be offended. Right? And so that's what he's saying. We can't do that here because if we do that here, everyone's going to take offense to that and they're going to rally up against us. Now, Pharaoh is trying to get them to compromise in their worship. He's trying to get them to do a, a partial obedience to what God has called them to do. Just go a little ways. Don't go out of the country. Just go a little ways and worship to your gods. And listen, this is applicable for us today because today we have an enemy that would have you compromise your worship. You have an enemy that would have you compromise your worship. He would have you do a partial obedience to God, right? Like, he would love for you to just dip your toes into the little bit of Christianity, but not get fully submersed into all God has called you to do, right? He would love for you to just, okay, okay, that's fine you get into this Jesus thing, but here, let's just keep it to like Sunday mornings around 10.30 to 12-ish, and that'd be the extent. Or, hey, uh, listen, you can go, but listen, don't, don't like begin to talk to people or get in a group or don't, d definitely don't serve somewhere. Don't do those things. Just go, check it off the box, then go home and eat lunch. Or, or, or hey, just, you know, be content with throwing in a 20, not a full obedience of a tithe. Don't worry about that. Just do enough to, 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 to write it off so the conscience feels good and then roll on with yourself. Listen, we have an enemy that would love for you to be a cultural Christian. Love to, to come to church enough to appease your conscience, but not have any real life change. This is the greatest lie of the enemy in this country. That you can have Jesus at no cost. That you can have Christianity and still be the God of your life. But that's not true life. That's not true Christianity. That's not true having God. 
the only way that Jesus is going to invade a life and come into you and be your God, a saving God, is if he is the entire throne of your heart. If you dethrone yourself or your false idols or your loves and you put him on the throne of your heart, that's the only way. It's a full obedience. It's an entire sailing out of yourself. A dying, the scripture says, a dying to yourself. That's why he says, take up your cross. Die to yourself. That's how you're saved. It's, it's not a prayer you pray. It's not church attendance. Are you willing to stop being your own God? And that's, that's what we see happening here. Pharaoh wanted them to compromise their worship. There are a lot of teachings of worship being compromised. This is the greatest temptation of this church, of any church in this country, is to compromise your worship. That partial obedience is okay when it's not okay. So what is God calling you to? Have you put yourself on the throne of your heart? Are you still the God of your life? Die to yourself. Escape the wrath of God. Be saved by him. Because the plagues that we see are child's play to the eternal wrath of God. And the only way to escape it is to die to yourself today and put him on the throne. That's the only way. Jesus being the, the God of your heart and life, full submission to him is the only way to escape this wrath forever. That's it. The only way. Now, I, I do want to point out one final thing here. And I've, 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 I hit it last week. I hit it at the beginning of this message, but I just want to say again. Here you have Pharaoh. He didn't know God's name. Now he does. But he still refuses to repent and to trust God. His problem wasn't that he didn't have enough evidence, right? Y'all been around people like, if God would just give me a sign, then I would love him, right? Pharaoh's got plenty of signs. If God would just write it in the clouds, if he'd just make a cross out of some clouds, then I would become a Christian. To Pharaoh, God is like, Pharaoh, I'm God, you idiot. <laughs> it's in the clouds. There's signs everywhere. And what does Pharaoh do? He had more signs than maybe any of us have ever seen in our life. All the evidence stacked up that God is the one true God. And he was smart. He wasn't a stupid fellow. He was, I mean, he was promoted to Pharaoh of a nation. He even knew, cognitively knew that God exists. He says so. Go tell your Lord to remove these flies. So what's the issue? The issue is his heart. He has a hard heart heart a blind man standing in the midday sun staring straight into it can still see no light it doesn't matter the signs it doesn't matter the evidences it takes the holy spirit to regenerate a heart now there's some application here if you're a believer in this room it should it should make you fall to your knees in prayer that god would save souls because no amount of convincing that you can do, no strategic planning that you can do can convince someone to become a Christian. It takes the Holy Spirit to change and make the blind see, to bring the dead to life. 
It doesn't matter. I went to, you know, I've worked beside this guy for 20 years, and every day I wore my WWJD bracelet. That stuff doesn't work, man. It takes the Holy Spirit of God and you being faithful to do what God's called you to do. The Holy Spirit has to regenerate a heart. That's the only way. That's the only way. So it's to drive Christians to their face in prayer that God would move on behalf of the lost. And if you are here and you are not saved, you need to understand, I, I, can't t- I can talk to you till I'm blue in the face and nothing will change unless the Holy Spirit draws you. And if he is drawing you, which a good sign of that is that you are here, but if he is drawing you, if he's pulling you to himself, jump in. Do not harden your heart like Pharaoh because if you continue to be like Pharaoh, if you continue to harden your heart, even after warning and warning and sign and sign, you become so hardened that you can't see the signs anymore. You can't sense the spirit anymore and you will experience the eternal wrath forever. So today, if God is moving in you he's drawing you be saved don't put off that obedience any longer great application throughout this entire chapter of what we are to be doing is there something in your heart that you are worshiping instead of God remove it before he does remove it believer are you crying out to God for him to save and to move and to use you in his plan to save and move And for the non-believer in here, I'm glad you're here, but I want you to hear me say, escape the wrath of God. It's coming. And the only way to escape it is in the cross. Full obedience to the cross. Full dethroning of yourself as God and putting Jesus as God of your life. That's it. It's the only way. Anyone who claims to be a believer, that's what they have had to have done to call themselves such. They've had to say, I die to myself. Jesus is on the throne of my heart. And that's it. Do that today. I plead with you. Let's pray together. Father, I know that only you have the power to save, and I pray you would do that today. I pray you would save, Father. No amount of evidence, no amount of sign. Just like Pharaoh, nothing could change his heart. It was hardened. Only you can change a heart. And I pray you would do that. Let us be a people that don't harden our hearts. But that we would let you break our hard hearts of stone and turn them into a soft heart of flesh. Dead hearts that you would make them alive in Christ. Blind, our blindness, would you help us to see? Father, I pray that we can learn from Exodus 8 that if there be any gods on our heart that are not you, that we would crush those idols, that we would not love them more than we love you, for we cannot serve two masters. And Father, I pray, I pray, God, for those of us who are part of the body of Christ, 
that we would not fall victim to our enemy's schemes of partial obedience or cultural Christian check a box off a list Christianity for that will prove just hollow in the end but that we would be fully obedient to you that we would jump in both feet into the deep end and say you are worth it all you are worth everything that I've sacrificed and if I had to give it all up again I would give us hearts that are fully obedient to you help us to crush our flesh when it wants to rise up and keep some of these trivial worldly possessions for ourselves because we love them so crush them in us father that we would put you on the rightful throne that you deserve to be on we confess father I confess we are weak We need you. Help us to climb up on our cross and to die to ourselves, so that you might live in us. We want you to live in and through us, Father. We need you to do it. We need you to keep this on our heart all week because uh, if not, we'll forget it by, by the time we sit down to lunch. Help us to be obedient to what you're calling us to. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.